0: Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Reed. Check this out. This is the Rip and Reed, featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Reed. This is the theme whenever we talk about the MTA money-taking agency that wastes billions of our tax dollars and yet supports a mega-bureaucracy of executives who never take the very mass transit system that they supposedly oversee, and it's obvious every time they roll out a new concept, new idea. Joining me today, as she does every Tuesday and Thursday on the Rip and Read, My wife, Nancy, the e-attorney who does the deep dive so that you will find out things that you won't hear in the headlines. You won't even see sometimes in the uh, extended newscasts about the inefficiency, the ineffectiveness and the total malfeasance of the MTA money taking agency. Uh, Nancy, we saw they rolled out with a lot of uh, a big drum roll. They might as well have had a Fife and Bugle band up on 191st Street at the number one train. What new program that's going to cost us a lot of money is the MTA busting its buttons and bridges over?
1: Well, the MTA is testing out their new safety measures at a few stations. To your point, um, the Washington Heights station is the first one. And, it's essentially a a barrier that's supposed to keep people off the tracks and then keep riders generally safer. So um you know they they like to, so they had this big um rollout. It looked like they just did everything last night, like the the previous night because the you know that morning they're drilling the stuff into the ground as this like pressers going on. It's still wet paint on the yellow barriers which look like tiny fences, so it's not a a continuous barrier that goes the entire length of the platform. It's um, positioned, you know, th- like uh, between some of the, the, uh, you know, elements of like where people stand, but there's huge gaps. It's not a concise thing. It doesn't go to the ceiling. It doesn't go to the floor. And it looks very cheap. (laughs) I don't know how much they spent, but it looks very cheap.
0: It's low budget. Uh, Very low budget. Having uh, had patrols of Guardian Angels on the London subway system, which is even uh, larger than the New York City subway system and the Tokyo subway system, they have these barriers at some of the stations, and they are state-of-the-art. They go from the platform to the ceiling. They open up when the train arrives, but what I saw yesterday on 195th Street in Washington Heights was so low budget, even a third-world country, and I've been on subways in third-world country like Mexico or Mexico City, even a system like in Mexico City, which does not have these barriers yet, would probably, if they decided to put them in, do a better job than the MTA money-taking agency.
1: Yeah, and, and 10 years ago is when they started floating around this idea of uh, you know, subway safety, through having these barriers uh, placed throughout different platforms. So 10 years ago, they said it'll cost over a billion to retrofit the entire system. So here we are 10 years later. They have the first one going up in anticipated four stations. So you can, you know, do the math on that one. Like the odds of this happening in our lifetimes is not, it's just not happening. But I, they, And they're also going to supposedly study the effectiveness of it because there's some concerns it's not a, it doesn't go straight to the actual, um, you know, the, the edge. So there's still space to get in between. And there's also concern that people are going to go on the other side of the barrier because you actually can feasibly do that. If you can't see the train and the barriers in your way and you're looking to see, like, when is it coming? You just go beyond it. You'll be leaning on it. So, again, it doesn't seem like a very sturdy structure. Um, and, you know, again, they've tested out a few different ideas. Um, but what they found was now this is another interesting point. Apparently, the MTA has a track trespassing task force. I don't know who's getting paid for this job. No, no,
0: wait, track trespassing. (laughs) So you were a victim uh, of track trespassing this morning because when you were coming up here to WABC, your train was not running in both uh, directions because clearly somebody was track trespassing and apparently had been clobbered by an oncoming train.
1: Yeah, so the the B line and the Q line, they were uh, indefinitely not running this morning because someone was struck by a train at Prospect Park. Now, this is one of the stations that doesn't have this barrier yet. You know, hopefully uh <laughs> that will help them out. Maybe they'll be a little bit mindful
0: Look, of this. I, I could save them a lot of money. There are people who live in the tunnels. They're called mole people. They actually live in the tunnels of the subway system. I'd be more than happy to show the high priced executives at J Street Borough Hall who never even used the system that they manage where these homeless people live in the subway tunnels. The biggest area is Second Avenue on the F train as you go between East Broadway and Second Avenue down. It's our like yellow village. They like, just, they have no idea. Uh, let's get some of the responses from the people who were taking the first rides of these low-budget barriers that have been uh, constructed, like overnight. 191st Street on the number one train in Washington Heights. Here's a young man. Uh, he basically reflected the opinion of most. I don't think they're going to do a lot, though. I think people, use, sometimes they just going to run over. They're just going to do stupid things. And things going to happen, no matter like how much you try to protect. Yeah, and then there's a woman who is used to the kind of barriers that I've described that exist in London and Tokyo and in some other mass transit systems, her reaction, and then the follow-up from the MTA chief who was stymied.
1: When they first mentioned something uh, like this, I thought it's going to be like, you know, like, uh, like in other countries, like it's going to be like all closed. Um, there's still more space for people to fall.
0: There's some special complexities in New York because the age of our system, because the location of structure. Oh, shut up. <laughs> London is a much older subway system than New York City. So he's full of bull feathers. And they just did a. There's no other way to describe it. A half-assed job. It's low budget. It's looks, it looks looks third world. The gates, they, I mean, they really look like somebody put chicken wire on some uh, two by fours. And, it,
1: and it's and it's not bad enough in this 191st Street station. It's in such horrific condition. They have um, barriers around the columns. Where and then also the the tiles falling off, this is a very narrow um, subway platform I don't know, if, and then this is also the one where it doesn't have direct staircase going up to the street. You have to wait for the elevator. so now, wh- when I'm looking at the way that these barriers are constructed, it's supposed to be funneling people through this one entrance way, but you know how people they get on the subway on either side when the door opens. now it's going to make a singular line. In a very, very constricted platform, I mean, th- this sounds like it has a potential to be less safe.
0: Well, let's go to the uh, thread of the social networking. The subway white responding to, oh, the, uh, the the absolute magnificent brainpower that the MTA has used to set up a system that really nobody likes these barriers.
1: Yes, yeah, that's great. So on uh, Twitter, you know, they made this big announcement. They're all proud of it. So, so, so these are some of the comments, right? Who authorized this? Not anyone who's ridden the sub- subway. Uh, what clownery am I looking at? MTA solving first world problems with third world solution. That's that's true. This comment is great. The ugliest, jankiest, most MTA solution I've ever seen. And then you have the audacity to come over here and show these off. I'd rather jump on the tracks myself than acknowledge I had anything to do with these things.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> And by the way, this is back-to-back, belly-to-belly. With uh, on, It's now over a month. Uh, they went to Sufton Boulevard where the E-Train station is, the connection to the train to the plane to JFK. They were so proud. They had put into uh, practice uh, these um, turnstiles that they said would stop uh, all kinds of fare evasion. And we have seen video after video since of people not even not just going under the turnstiles over the turnstiles but through the turnstiles by simply putting their hand over the turnstile covering the sensor the electronic sensor which automatically opens up the turnstile for everyone to come through everybody so you see a flood of people coming through laughing their ass off at the MTA that has spent a million dollars on just one station And instead of having a good old-fashioned solution for fare evasion, a cop, that's how you control the system, Mrs. Sliwa.
1: Yeah, and and again, a lot of these writers are noting, too, that the cops tend to be gathered together, uh, you know, where you enter the subway and totally... Um, looking the other way, that people are jumping over the turnstile. So, again, you know, their job isn't – they're not enforcing anything. And there's more concern about the people who are jumping over the turnstile, that they're going to be more of a safety concern for the riders.
0: Once again, your MTA, Mass Transit Agency, they say that's the acronym. We say money-taking agency, uh, spending billions of dollars, and now also uh, the first first, uh, spade into the dirt – For what is not necessary, two new stations on the Q-Train line starting from 96 on the Upper East Side going to 125th on 3rd Avenue. No need for billions of dollars to be spent. But all the photo op, they were all there with the spades in their hands showing how the politicians are ready to get down and do the nitty-gritty work of spending our money needlessly.
1: Yeah, so it took them 10 years To construct the first, um, you know, element of the line, which is from 63rd Street to 96th Street. So now they're trying to go up to 125th Street, which is going to add three more stations total. And, you know, of course, HOKO, because, you know, they're trying to push this thing very quickly. Um, 180, 182 million construction contract was awarded. This is the first of four. So, and this is all to move the stuff underground. Now, apparently, these tunnels existed already. They've been there for, Since the 70s, but because um, due to various constraints, this has been delayed that long. So there's already pre-existing tunnels there, but they're waiting to award the contracts, and they're saying by March is when you should start seeing the the first shovel hit the ground, and then it'll be probably another 10, 15 years. They're saying by the – expect expect it to be done by the late 30s.
0: (laughs) There won't be anybody left on the island of Manhattan. It'll be Escape from New York at the Way We're Going, a remake of Kurt Russell's classic. Up next – Oh, I gotta tip my beret to two senior citizens who are heroes in the Lower East Side and then I'm gonna do a little self <laughs> a little self-gratification also. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight
1: for what's right. Fight
0: for your life. This is the theme song for two heroic Americans. One, an immigrant, came to America long ago, opened up a candy store, luncheonette, which remains down across the street from Tompkins Square Park, south of uh, Tompkins, excuse me, south of St. Mark's Place and Avenue A. I used to live there, 131 Avenue A on the second floor, and I would constantly go to Rage. Uh, Candy store, luncheonette, get my newspapers in the morning before I would come to WABC to do the morning show. So I befriended uh, Ray, and I would have thought that Ray would have retired. He was in his 90s, but he became the object of incredible intention, and rightfully so, because he was viciously assaulted about a year ago on the Lower East Side. Angie, can you reconnect people with what had taken place to Ray on that occasion?
1: Yeah, so this was a year ago, um, last January. And uh, Ray Alvarez, who's 90 years old, and he is in charge of that store, he was attacked. Now, there was two individuals who had a night where they were committing crimes uh, uh, on the subway and in the street. They were randomly going up to people uh, demanding money, demanding cigarettes and When they would refuse, they would attack them. So he was unfortunately the last of the the victims uh, they had that night, which was around 3 a.m. So he's working. He does the overnight shift. And one of the gentlemen comes into the store and asks him if he wants to buy a box. So he has a package. Oh, do you want to buy this? And he's asking him, well, what's inside the box? Like, what type of uh, product are you trying to sell me? So right away he gets mad. He threatens to kill Ray. And then when he says, I don't want anything – He winds up um, hitting him over the head multiple times and in the chest. So he had broken bones in his face. His jaw was dislocated, and he was only able to eat through a straw. But he wound up, you know, and of course he was mad, but he was fuming because he said it wouldn't have happened if there was more police in the neighborhood. But right away, I mean, you know, to his resiliency, he went back to work.
0: Can you understand that, Justin Ellick, your newfound generation of slackers and deadbeats? Broken jaw, both eyes, blackened, fractured nose. He's 90 years old. They take him to Beth Israel Hospital, which I've been to, 16th Street. They tell him, oh, you got to stay for observation. You could have a concussion. This could be really serious. You're a 90-year-old man. He checks himself out. He comes back and does his shift and has continued to do his shift. And between shifts, when he wasn't feeling that well, he would go into the back where I spoke to him after the attack a few days later, and he lays down on the ground. On the ground! If you happen to be in that area and you know Ray, like I know Ray, you gotta go visit Ray. You, you gotta, you, you gotta pump him up because it's a year later, and the two persons who were responsible for this vicious attack, have been sentenced
1: oh that's right yeah they did just get sentenced which is unusual right in new york city for them to actually sentence someone but they got five years and ten years respectively which is a which is a good amount of time
0: so the main perp who did the most uh, uh of the attack uh, got 10 years and uh, his uh his degenerate sidekick got five years i mean you don't even get that in alvin bragland f- uh, for killing somebody in manhattan But it's almost like the show Everybody Loves Ray, by Ray Romano. (laughs) Everybody Loves Ray. Again, an iconic figure in the Lower East Side, across the street from Tompkins Square Park. He's always there, especially the overnight shift.
1: I mean, he was working at 3 a.m., and he got attacked, and he still is going back there. I mean, you know, he's not even afraid to show up to work.
0: Yeah, and the hipsters and millennials love Ray because they're in all the dives, they're in all the clubs, they're in all the bars. They come in there, and they sit there, and he prepares them, uh, conic elixirs, to help them recover <laughs> from their inebriation. You got that, Justin Alec? Just remember, Ray. So that's hero number one, Ray. Another incredible story. I mean, there's, there's just no way to replicate this. Many of you have been in the Lower East Side, across the street from Stuyvesant Town, 14th Street and 1st Avenue is the Church of the Immaculate Conception. And they've hired a security guard there named John Mack, M-A-C-H, age 57. And he takes that responsibility so personally, he goes, my duty is to guard my church and keep everyone safe. Mm. Because a lot of the older women who would go to church and the older men, knowing that this is the waning uh, time in their life, And they want to be able to go before God in their house of worship were increasingly not coming because it's so unsafe in that area. It's not far from where Anthony Weiner lives on 14th Street. And he's acknowledged that homeless people emotionally disturbed, drug addicts, gangbangers, drug dealers, really bad. So he's on duty. And all of a sudden, a guy comes up and starts uh, pulling his schlong out like a lot of folks do when they've been inebriated down in the Lower East Side and all those gin mills and clubs, and he begins to water a car with his um, wastewater. So John Mack, the guard, goes up to him and he says, Hey, guy, there's, there's women and children. What? Don't, don't be urinating on the car here. Come on. There's a place to go. If you would have told me you needed to use a bathroom, I, I might have brought you in the church. You can't do that. here. The guy starts screaming at him, clearly emotionally disturbed, pulls out a straight edge razor, threatens to slash his throat. And so John Mack is ready. He sees the guy. The guy stalks off. Naturally, a call goes in, 911, ninth Precinct. You can forget about that. It ain't happening. So John Mack is on duty, and guess what? This guy comes back. He's changed his coat. It's now a bright red coat from what was a dull gray coat. So he's not even making the connection. The guy sneaks up on him like a ninja, pulls out that straight edge razor, says, I told you I was going to slit your throat, pulls it out and cuts his throat right at the jugular. John Mack is bleeding out. He's on the floor, but he understands. He's still conscious. He takes his shirt off, and he ties it around his neck because he knows he's got to stem the floor of blood. He starts running after this guy. Other citizens, good Samaritans, try to tackle the guy, but the guy is very depth, and he's able to get away. He's still being hunted down by the police. So they take John Mack in the ambulance at 14th Street, 1st Avenue over, where else? Beth Israel mm-hmm. on 16th Street's right there. They bring him in. They stitch up his whole left side of his throat. Sixteen stitches. Mm. He was a quarter of an inch away from the jugular vein being slashed, and he probably would have bled out.
1: Yeah, you can see the um, the stitches. They go from his ear to the bottom of his chin. It's tremendous, this cut that he had.
0: And he's repaired. They tell him, go home, you need to rest, or we'll keep you overnight in the hospital. What do you think John Mack did? He went back to work. He went right back to the church. Right Mm -hmm. back and stood outside of the church, and he said again to everybody passing by who had heard about it on Citizens App in that area, that's why you cannot let the police department of the city of New York and Eric Adams block Citizens App because what they're trying to do now is not allow anybody to listen to police signals, to police communication on the radio. They're completely attempting to block that. That's how people found out what had happened. They came to the church. They see John Mack. You need to go home. He goes, no. No, my duty is to guard my church and keep everyone safe.
1: Yeah, and to your point, if you have that information on things like Citizens App, right away you would have had a minimum probably the description of the individual and everyone who lives in the area gets an alert. So they probably, you know, could have uh, had someone call in with a tip.
0: And you see in Eric Adams, New York City, with his police department, out of town Eddie Caban, uh, just useless Eddie Caban now. What a disappointment. I think
1: we need to do a wellness check on Eddie Caban.
0: Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, fine both of them up <laughs> at Consofrito, uh, the uh, club that is owned by his brother, Richie Caban, who has the State Liquor Authority license. And Jimmy Rodriguez, who can't get a state liquor authority license, who has absolutely none of the paperwork necessary to run a legal operation, they're going to padlock that. They, they they stay up there rather than stay down here. Well, guess what? I also had that same experience back in April of 1992 before you even knew who I was, Justin Ellick. I was coming out of my apartment, 131 Avenue A, not far from Rays, just a little north of Rays, to come to WABC to do the morning show. I was in the midst of a battle with uh, Frank Morano's friends, the Mama Luke, John Gotti Sr., John Gatti Jr., and the Gambino crime family. John Gotti Jr., in court testimony, was reported to be stalking me with three guys, and their names, infamous, Mikey McLaughlin, the Irishman, Ruggiero, the Italian, and Kaplan, the Jew, a United Nations crew of <laughs> batswingers. And on one morning in April, they saw me coming out of the apartment, ready to come up to WABC, which was at 2 Plaza, 17th floor, Madison Square Garden. And uh, before I could get a cab, uh, they ascended on me, all three of them, Kaplan, Ruggiero, and McLaughlin, and they tooled me up, hit me 32 times with baseball bats. Luckily, at that point, David Dinkins, the only thing he had done when he was mayor was put up a fence at Tompkins Square Park because the anarchists were rioting. So he had imposed a curfew. I scurried over the fence. They were unable to complete the attack. They jumped in a car. They popped uh, wheelies, were screaming, I should shut my mouth. The cops took me to Beth Israel. They patched me up. I had broken my uh, elbow. And the doctor said, well, we're going to keep you uh, for the next week. You, you probably have a concussion. You probably have other issues. And I did what both Ray, the candy store owner, did at the age of 90. John Mack, guarding the Church of the Immaculate Conception, did when he was slashed. I said, thank you, but I am checking myself out. And I came back the next day, next morning, and did a show. It led to them shooting me five times with hollow point bullets.
1: Maybe you should have stayed in the hospital.
0: When I talked about uh, <laughs> the fact that John Getty Jr. had killed a guy at the uh-huh. Silver Flocks uh, Disco and Bar in oh. Ozone Park years before that. Wow, we've come full circle. And you know who it was who reported my attack by baseball bats in April of
1: 1992? Ray? Ray. Oh, wow.
0: Was the only brave one to come outside. God, that's and then call the police and let them know that they got Sleewa.
1: So Ray really is a hero.
0: Ray is a hero in so many ways. Please, ladies and gentlemen, you want to do something good. Go see Ray the candy store guy on Avenue A in St. Mark's. He's an iconic figure. Go thank John Mack. who's on duty in front of the Church of the Immaculate Conception at 14th and 1st Avenue, a man's man. And understand that uh, this is old school here, Justin, Ellick. You know, we don't fold like cheap cameras. We take a beating and we come back ticking to go out there and do what is necessary to save our neighborhood and save our country. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Slewa. In
1: Napoli, where love is king, when boy meets girl, here's what they say. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore.
0: Ah, and it was so great yesterday. The pizza summit that I hosted with the Guardian Angels at the New Park Pizzeria right on Cross Bay Boulevard in the heart of Howard Beach. Nancy, uh, long before you were birthed, I had my very first slice and a Coke, 1959, I was five years old, and it was heaven, <laughs> and I must admit, I'm not supposed to be eating pizza any longer, because I have chronic Crohn's disease, ileitis, colitis,
1: but I see him sneaking though.
0: but I couldn't resist, <laughs> it is the best, and we had been out in the streets across Bay Boulevard, um, doing uh, intelligence work. On what had um, emerged from Team Eric Adams. I have rats, as you know, Nancy, who eat the Parmesan cheese, who work directly for Eric Adams, both in his police intel and at City Hall. And it drives them crazy because they try to vet him out, try to find out who's giving me information. They had been in South Ozone Park on Sunday. They did a uh, basic uh, consecration of ground that was being prepared for a new mosque for the Nigerian community. And information had surfaced that Our Lady of Grace Auditorium in Old Howard Beach, uh, its auditorium would become a emergency shelter for migrants, very similar to what they did to Madison High School when it was the inclement weather, and they moved all the 2,000 uh, illegals out of the tents at Floyd Bennett Field. So I was there meeting and greeting a lot of residents, people who were providing a lot of information about what was transpiring. It's clear to me that the local parish was in the dark. They had no idea. So I figured, okay, this is Eric Adams' plan, could he have done this with the dioceses of Brooklyn, who obviously uh, are the big guys, the big guys and gals. They're the shot callers. And so I had a pizza summit inside of New Park Pizzeria and people later in the day were coming up and giving me all kinds of information. Yeah. Including, uh, the gentleman <coughs> who hosts, uh, uh, the, um, active, uh, website, uh, Howard Beach, uh, dads. Uh, Incredibly, I got a lot of information. And then I noticed in the back with two men, because the place was packed, two men who were very quietly and patiently waiting for me, one who I didn't recognize right away because, my God, he's gone through a transition. He looks like a million bucks now. Uh, He used to be a little overweight. Now he's svelte. He was sharply dressed, John Quaglione. I owe this guy, if I would have supported him a little more when he was running as a Republican City Council member, conservative City Council member in Bay Ridge, we would not have had Justin Brandon.
1: Oh, no.
0: So I owe this guy. (laughs) And he sat down and he goes, I promise you, Curtis, on behalf of the Diocese of Brooklyn, and I've researched this thoroughly, there will not be an emergency shelter ever in the auditorium of Our Lady of Grace, a place that I went many, many times uh, when I was younger for uh, confirmations, for communions, for the funeral of my cousin Butchie. I mean, it was part and parcel of my growing up. And I shook John Quaglione's hand, a man's man. He looked me straight in the eyes and I said, I'll accept your word, John. I owe you for this one. Gee, if I would have worked more for your campaign, we might not have had the scourge of Justin Brandon in Bay Ridge and Diker Heights. So we had our pizza summit. You well, see, we resolved this over pizza at the New Park Pizzeria.
1: And that's why you have to stand up for your neighborhood.
0: That's right. And I want to thank everyone in Howard Beach, uh, New Howard Beach, uh, Hamilton Beach, Broad Channel, the Rockaways Ozone Park who came out. All of them great WABC listeners. It was a great pizza summit.